Welcome back, everyone. Yes, today we're talking about the movie that came out about a month ago. I could have waited until it reappeared on HBO Max for all of its subscribers to view at home, but um, I felt like this is something I wanted to go ahead and get out. So, The Batman. Um, right off the bat, I just want to say it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. It was really, really good. But before I start talking about the new Batman, yes, I know, I'm clickbaiting you. I don't care. You still clicked on this episode and you're still listening. So today, before I start talking about the new 2022 Matt Reeves Batman starring Robert Pattinson, I want to talk a little bit about the old Batman movies. Kind of just all the Batman movies that we've gotten since the first one, Batman, simply titled Batman. I think it was like 1989 it came out, wasn't it? We can double check that real quick. Batman film. Uh, We have not the Batman. I don't want the Batman. I want Batman. Yep, Batman, right here, with Michael Keaton, came out in 1989. Wow, I love it when I'm right. But yes, we're going to talk about Batman, 1989, Batman Returns, 1992, Batman Forever, 1995, of course, Batman and Robin, 1997, the Christopher Nolan Batman Trilogy, And then, the new Batman. The Batman. Alright, so... And you might be asking, why do you want to talk about those movies? Those are old, those are bad, they suck. Why don't you just talk about the Dark Knight and how the Dark Knight's way better than the Batman? Because, people... I am... I love movies. I love watching movies. I love thinking about how far we've come since, you know, Michael Keaton just outstretching his arms and there comes a cape in the shape of bat's wings and it scares those two criminals on that one roof. (sighs) That's what I want to talk about. You know, I want to talk about what was the thought behind those movies? What was the thought behind Michael Keaton's Batman, Val Kilmer's Batman, George Clooney's Batman, and of course Christian Bale's Batman. We've had a lot of Batman movies. It's crazy. But I think we can talk about them in enough time. Alright, so let's start with, um, I'm going to call it, okay, so I'm going to split the movies up into... I guess, three parts. We have uh, early 90s with, you know, starting with Batman 1989. We have those, which goes on to Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. Then we have Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, which is Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. 
And then we have, in its own separate category, The Batman with Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves. And I'm going to talk about all three of these different sections, and I'm going to give each of them their own benefits and their own downfalls. Because they do each have their own downfalls, all of them do, but they each have something quirky about them. Hashtag dabs on them. But no, let's start with Batman 1989. So Tim Burton, as we all know, is one crazy guy. He is pretty messed up there. Um, If you don't know Tim Burton, you're lying. You do know who Tim Burton is. You probably just don't know what he's done. Uh, You probably don't know him by name. So I'm just going to list out a couple of Tim Burton movies off the top of my head. Uh, You have um, Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, that type of stuff. I think he also did, like, uh, uh, he did that really weird Planet of the Apes movies. Um, He also did Dark Shadows and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, not Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Big difference there. But yeah, pretty much if um, Johnny Depp was in it, there's a good chance that Tim Burton was probably directing it. Um, Yeah, he loved him some Johnny Depp. Anyways, yes, so Warner Brothers is like, hey, let's do do a Batman movie. And, you know, Warner Brothers is like, cool, who do you want to get for it? They're like, hey, isn't Tim Burton, like, free? We can get Tim Burton on it, right? And they're like, yeah, but... Tim Burton does some pretty weird stuff. Are you sure you want him doing Batman? Like, the closest thing they've had to Batman before that was, like, Adam West in his sparkly blue suit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, so they're like, are you sure you want Tim Burton doing Batman? I mean, he's he's done some pretty weird fantasy and horror stuff. I don't think Batman's the kind of guy who does fantasy and horror. Warner Bros. is like, let's give him a chance, you know? So Tim Burton gets Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton had, like, I don't know, maybe one or two good movies before that. And they're like, yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to go so hard. And so they come out, and they get this movie, and it's pretty intense. It tells a pretty slow but intense story of Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne's doing his stuff here but they also do a really weird telling of the Joker and you know basically Batman 1989 redefines superhero genre because like think about it before this we didn't have Spider-Man we didn't have the brand new Spider-Man stuff to do we didn't have, like, I don't know, what's a bad superhero movie? Like, uh, Suicide Squad here to ruin things yet? So, so this was like a whole brand new thing that Tim Burton brought to the table. This is one of the most amazing things about Batman 1989. Is that we get an introduction to dark, like, gritty, intense characters that we get a feel for that we want to empathize with but also villains that are kind of horrific you know like joker in this movie is kind of messed up um he's not just some guy with paint on his face 
Um, I mean, they literally brought out Jack Nicholson to do Joker. And if you know Jack Nicholson, he's really good at doing horror. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so Michael Keaton, uh, Jack Nicholson, they're here and they're going to like wreck this. They're going to do this as best as they can. And they nail it, bro. Freaking Bruce Wayne's character is so like... He's not, he's not like edgy, but he is like really reclused, reclused, is that a word? He's a recluse and he's like, he has like zero interaction with anyone besides Alfred, um, except for like one or two parties that he throws. Um, but as Batman, Batman's kind of like there, like by this point, Batman is already like um, he's he's more of a myth like he's he's well known but he's also a myth like he kind of works with the police but not really like they still shoot at him in the movie um, yeah you know so like it's really telling an origin story um, but it's also doing a really well job of you know setting up this darker version of what a Batman can be you know and that's something that Tim Burton does really well. Now, don't get me wrong. This movie is really weird. And for being two hours long, it really stretches the two hours. Um, and of course, the love interest is there. We get, we get Vicky Vale for this first love interest. Which, you know, is kind of decent for Bruce Wayne. Um, we have a lot of Bruce Wayne, Batman love interests. But, you know, picking Vicky Vale is a pretty good one for Bruce Wayne much less for Batman and that's something else that these films focus on they focus on Bruce Wayne and his struggles you know you really pick up the fact that Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne is definitely a lot more socially awkward he doesn't really know what he's doing like there's this whole scene where he's having a date with Vicky Vale in his mansion and like they have like this 30 foot table and they're each sitting on either end and they're like they're having this like kind of funny moment where he's like can you pass the salt but um they're on either end of the table so they can't really hear each other so they have to yell at each other and then he has to walk all the way down to get her some salt and then he has to walk all the way back and it's you know it's cute you know we can see that bruce wayne isn't really used to dating he's not used to having people over he's not used to being himself and you know i kind of like that um yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I could spend like a whole 30 to 40, 50 minutes just talking about this specific movie and what it does for the genre of superhero movies, what it does for Batman as a character. But um, since I want to get to, you know, what we all want to get to today with the new The Batman movie, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about each of these older movies specifically. You know, if you want, if you guys want to hear more about that, uh, look us up, look up it's my tv show on instagram and like comment give us more batman or whatever i don't know i don't care just blow up with hashtag it's my tv show about batman or whatever i don't care um yeah so then we get to batman returns which takes place a little bit after batman and um we're introduced to some serious villains we're introduced to penguin uh and catwoman in the same movie Penguin is way, way... He is so... Like, 
I don't know, it's just weird in this movie. It's just absolutely weird in this movie. Um, gosh, I could spend like a whole good while on just Batman Returns and how strange it is. Like, Tim Burton, as you know, is messed up in the head. But I'm pretty sure we don't... Like, the entire first 20 minutes of the movie is Batman slash Bruce Wayne-less. Like, there's no Batman or Bruce Wayne in like the first 20 minutes. Until Batman shows up and like stops Penguin's wrecking of the whatever is happening it's like christmas time and um our b-plot villain shrek played by christopher walken if you don't know who christopher walken is look him up he's a pretty good guy um yeah so christopher walken plays this villain shrek who's kind of just like this tycoon who's doing a really bad thing to the environment um as his assistant we have selena kyle catwoman and uh, Penguin, played by Danny freaking DeVito, is like crashing this whole Christmas tree thing just so that he can get Max Shrek so that he can appear to the surface as like a good guy. And I apologize for my sniffling. Um, just kind of like a late night. Um, uh, but yes, so like this movie is so intense and like it's actually like a really controversial film. Like, I, like I'm pretty sure Tim Burton wanted it to be R-rated, um, but it got pushed back to PG-13, and that kind of limited Tim Burton's whole vision of what he wanted for this. Hashtag release the Burton cut. <laughs> um, no, but this movie was so intense. Like Penguin is so like deformed. Uh, he's so grotesque. Like, yeah, that's a really good word to use. He's like. Danny DeVito plays this really grotesque figure of a man who's raised by sewer penguins. And, like, Catwoman is this woman who was, like, supposed to have died, but is resurrected, like, with unfinished business um, towards Shrek. And, um, you know, Bruce Wayne's kind of just there. He's not really... Bruce Wayne doesn't really have his own story in this movie. It's more of, like, him reacting to everything that's happening. And, um, you know, he has his, like, initial doubts about Penguin, and he's like, Penguin's probably not good, because he's with Shrek, and I don't trust Shrek, because he's bad for the environment, he's just a tycoon, I don't trust that guy, and all that kind of stuff. He's like, Batman, you know, like, and, um, so Penguin's just there trying to find out, like, his birth parents, because he was, like, thrown into the sewer by his birth parents, and, like, he turns into this grotesque Penguin man. And so, like, he has his own circus gang that he has, like, terrorized Gotham for a little bit. But then again, it's Christmas time, so, like, Batman's trying to fight Penguin. Because uh, he wants to run for mayor, but he knows that he's not a good guy. Then he has to fight Shrek, because Shrek's still doing tycoon stuff and helping out Penguin run for mayor. And Catwoman's there, and Catwoman's, like, you know, doing Catwoman stuff. She's stealing and robbing. And they're trying to beat Batman just so that they can humiliate him and overthrow him. Um, yeah, but then Batman falls in love with Catwoman. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, Batman falls in love with Catwoman. Catwoman falls in love with Batman. Uh, but they also do this, like, duality thing where Bruce Wayne falls for Selina Kyle and Selina Kyle falls for Batman, but they can't do it because they both want, like, the other person. It's pretty intense. 
so I mean this movie was super intense like that's something I want to say really good about Tim Burton is that his movies are weird like both Batman and Batman Returns are two hours long and they kind of feel like more than two hours even though they're not even though like it's just so intense (sighs) he Tim Burton he sets up this stage of darkness and what he wants to do with this darkness is tell the story of Bruce Wayne a man who has yet to confront you know what he has gone through a man who is just so filled with despair almost and rage that he has to put on the mask and help out others and in doing so is you know drawing attention to himself as batman and is subject to hatred and that's what he gets from penguin and catwoman um much less so from joker joker's kind of just insane and he's just there to stop him but it's obvious that like catwoman doesn't hate batman she just hates what he stands for she hates that he's there to protect the people of gotham when gotham is just like such a crime-ridden disease-ridden place um penguin he's this grotesque man that was thrown away by gotham society so he wants to take revenge on gotham and um bruce wayne kind of sees this as like a this would have been me like i was like kind of not rejected but i was also alone and like this could have i mean he could have been he could have taken batman and done harm instead of good but he chose to do good and a lot of people say that batman returns is too dark you know like there's a lot of death and just you know it was just uh like it was like tragic yeah yeah yeah, tragic like it just tells a tragic story and it's it's intense you know uh watching it you might like laugh at the dorkiness of it but if you like sit there and watch it and you understand what's happening and you understand the story and you're paying attention to how the characters feel and the subtle nuances of the film you pick up on this depressing story of bruce wayne who's just there uh unable to really change anything he's just reacting to monsters of society and castaways and all that and that's something that batman returns does really well and i appreciate it and those two batman and batman returns together make some of the best films just superhero movies ever like i'm telling you it just changed what superhero genre should have been and then warner brothers is like you know what this is too dark no one's actually enjoying this we can't sell toys like this let's bring in somebody else let's bring let's let's do a soft reboot and then batman forever came out three years later um they get a new director joel schumacher Uh, i apologize if i'm pronouncing that incorrectly joel um but uh yeah so they do a soft reboot with joel schumacher um sorry I noticed, I noticed that if my um, 
if I raise my hand above the table, it shakes. And I'm not trying to make it shake. I'm trying. I'm just, it's just shaking. Both my hands, actually, if I keep them raised above the table. That's strange. But if I lay them flat on the table, they don't shake. But if I raise my hand just a little bit, shake. Set it down, not raise the left one. Shaking. Set, set it down. Uh, excuse me for just a second. Ugh. Where was I? Uh, Batman Forever, 1995. We get a new director, and we get a new uh, co- like, a new Batman. Uh, this wasn't by choice. Uh, Joel actually tried to convince Michael Keaton to stay on, but uh, Michael Keaton refused, obviously. Um, not because he was just against it. Uh, he wanted to do it, but um, the only thing is that... Um, uh, Michael Keaton had a different direction about... He had a different sense of direction for Batman. He wanted Batman to be more about Bruce Wayne's character than just some silly, like, cartoonish movie that Joel wanted to do. Joel, I mean, he was kind of maybe pressured by Warner Brothers to make this movie more uh, silly, more comic, maybe, more comedic. Uh, maybe that's why he went with Jim Carrey uh, as Riddler. But, um... This movie kind of tanked. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm not like saying this was a bad movie. It was kind of a bad movie. Um, yeah, I don't think Joel understood what he was doing, or if he did understand what he was doing, he did, wasn't doing it properly. Um, yeah. So Michael Keaton leaves. We get Val Kilmer as Batman. Val Kilmer is a great actor. You know, does some good stuff. We get. Jim Carrey as Riddler. So we're bringing in more A-list actors. And then we get Tommy Lee Jones and Chris O'Donnell. Then we also get Nicole Kidman and Drew Barrymore all in the same movie. Um, they keep Alfred the same. Alfred's been the same since, you know, Batman in 1989. Um, but yeah, also James, uh, James Gordon, Lieutenant James Gordon. Excuse me. Uh, he stays the same. Also since the first movie. Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so in this movie, we get a different premise. Riddler is working at Wayne Enterprise, and he's trying to get his invention out, but Bruce Wayne is like, this is kind of dangerous. We probably shouldn't have this. So I'm not going to approve your designs. Haha. <laughs> uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Two-Face is kind of already established. Like, the movie literally starts with Two-Face trying to rob a bank. Uh, Batman foils him. Uh, Nicole Kidman's in this movie as Dr. Chase. Um, she's kind of like this psychologist who's just there. Like, she's literally, like, introduced by Commissioner Gordon as, like, yeah, she's here to analyze Two-Face. I, I have no idea. Um. Yeah. It says here that, why is it called Batman Forever? 
The title of the movie refers to Bruce's decision to remain as Batman, regardless of the problems it causes, because that is who he is and who he now chooses to be forever. Yeah, I just saw that on freaking Google. Great job, Google. <sighs> anyway, I'm trying not to get overwhelmed because I get really overwhelmed and I'm trying to get a lot of words out and I talk really fast. And I'm like, I have to tell you about this and I have to tell you about this and I have to tell you about this. I'm trying to slow myself out and trying to pace myself because if not, I get out of breath and then I have to stop. So, yeah. Uh, do a quick time check. We're at 24 minutes. <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah. Batman Forever kind of tanked um, compared to Batman and Batman Returns. The movie didn't do so well. Um, and I can think of a couple reasons why. Uh, just go and watch it. Literally, just watch Batman Forever and you will see why it's a bad movie. Uh, Jim Carrey does too many Riddler puns. Two-Face does too many Two-Face puns. Batman is really, really horny. Uh, and so is Nicole Kidman as Dr. Chase. Like, there's literally a whole movie, not a whole movie, there's a whole scene where Val Kilmer shows up to the bat signal and it's Nicole Kidman there and she's like in a nightgown-ish dress and it's like completely black and like it's dark and she's like, I'm, I want to have sex with you. I literally want to have sex with you. And Batman's like, is it the car? Chicks dig the car. I'm like, bro, really? And it's just, blah. You know, it's whatever. Anyway, Riddler and Two-Face team up and they try and fight Batman and also, uh, Robin makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah. Um, Batman goes to see the Flying Graysons. Two-Face kills the Flying Graysons. Robin ends up orphanized. Batman adopts him. Uh, Robin finds out who Batman is and then they go and defeat Two-Face and Riddler together. Riddler gets kind of deformed at the end when, um, he like takes too many brain waves or whatever and um he does send batman riddles and batman does solve them as they each come out but um yeah it's very silly it's very cartoonish it's not i i would say it's worth watching just to see what the difference is like between batman batman returns and then we go to batman forever because like you see a huge change and it's not really a good change it's kind of bad so yeah that's what we get with Batman Forever. And so quickly, we would go to um, Batman and Robin, which is just another terrible Batman movie. Uh, Val Kilmer leaves, um, mainly because of the Bat suit, actually. This is something that I actually wanted to talk about. So we all know that the Bat suit looks really stiff and rigid in the movies. Like, especially uh, Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer's, it looks like they're having a hard time moving around and turning their heads and all that. Um, so Val Kilmer actually had a lot of, you know, he felt isolated from the rest of the cast. Like, you know, Jim Carrey was like in a onesie, Two-Face just had a lot of makeup on, Robin wasn't in a full suit, he just had like a costume, and Dr. Chase as Nicole Kidman was just a human being. So all the other cast members could kind of interact with each other without being too, like, restrained or confined to their costumes whereas Val Kilmer if he was in the bat suit he was in the bat suit he was kind of stuck there um, so yeah he felt kind of isolated from the cast and he felt isolated in general so he just like left the film and he was like yeah I'm really sorry guys but I can't do Batman anymore I just I'm getting depressed um yeah so that happened 
then we get Batman and Robin, and we get George Clooney as Batman. Like, this was probably, like, the peak of the George Clooney mania. Like, George Clooney was like, oh my god, George Clooney is so hot. George Clooney is so fit. We need George Clooney to be in all of our movies. So they get him. Uh, they keep the same Chris O'Donnell as Robin. They keep Alfred. And now we get Mr. Freeze. Like, they're just throwing in all the B-list villains for Batman in these movies. We get Mr. Freeze and we get Poison Ivy, and we also get Bane, and we get the crappiest Bane I've ever seen in my entire life. Bane sucks in this movie. What were you doing, Joel? This movie sucks. This movie sucks worse than Batman Returns. Not Batman Returns. Batman Forever. This movie sucks. It's so bad. Uma Thurman plays Poison Ivy. No offense to Uma Thurman, but I do not find Uma Thurman attractive. I'm so sorry. I know people are gonna hate me for that. Uma Thurman isn't hot. You can say all you want, but she's not hot. I'm so sorry. People love Uma Thurman. People think Uma Thurman's the shit. She's great in Kill Bill. Don't get me wrong. Uma Thurman is great in Kill Bill. She's amazing. She's great in Pulp Fiction. But she's not hot. Stop trying to sexualize Uma Thurman, everybody. She's not that hot. Arnold Schwarzenegger makes nothing but freeze puns. It's so bad. This movie is hard to watch. This movie is hard to sit through. I hate it. I'm so sorry, Joel. I'm so sorry, George Clooney. The bat nipples, the bat credit card. It's so bad. It's so it's so stupid to watch. And then Batgirl is kind of just thrown in there towards the end. Like she's kind of Oracle, but she's kind of also Batgirl. It sucked. This movie just sucks so bad. I'm so sorry. <sighs> I'll be right back. I need to go de-stress from that. When I come back, we'll talk about the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and the Batman in general. Thank you guys. Take a quick break. I'm sorry if there's an ad. Love you guys. try to get myself back in a position where I could think about Batman without thinking about George Clooney. Oh, nope, there it is again. God damn it. <sighs> Anyways. Long story short, with the first four Batman movies, starting with Batman 1989, concluding with Batman and Robin in 1998, 1999, one of those two days. 97, actually. Wow, that's pretty good. <clears throat> Anyways, on the whole, the first two movies are just generally pros, with their only cons being that they were long and kind of uninteresting. Not uninteresting. Um, crap what's a good word for it they were long and i guess unappealing if you don't have a certain mindset going into it if you go into it expecting a wacky batman you're not going to be uh satisfied if you go in there expecting a super dark gritty serious batman you might be satisfied uh if you go in there expecting kind of like a high-tech gadget Batman, eh, 
maybe so so but yeah uh and then we have the latter two movies um those were just crap those were literally just crap the only pro they have is that they add to the batman canon and they bring something to the table to show us what a terrible batman movie really is anyways let's now talk about some good batman movies christopher nolan's batman trilogy the dark knight this batman begins movie was so so good after you know spider-man 2002 we get this and it's just so good it's it rejuvenates people's hope in batman we get not more of a dark batman we get a little bit more grounded in realism batman you know we get this batman who's more of a billionaire um he's more of a billionaire playboy um we also get uh you know, Batman himself, who is just, uh, you know, he, he's more of a crime fighter. Yeah, yeah, because he's more focused on organized crime and trying to stop it. Um, whereas uh, Batman in the other movies, he was more focused on the giant supervillains. And we don't even really have those in... Um, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, we have more of these realistic supervillains with the League of Sa- uh, League of Assassins, Ra's al Ghul. We also have uh, Joker, who is way less, um, you know, explosive, but way but more explosive in a different way. You know, we get uh, Heath Ledger's amazing performance. I'm going a little bit too far ahead, but I'm just talking about um, just the villains that we're going through, and then. Bane, oh my god, Bane is a thousand times better in The Dark Knight Rises than in Batman and Robin. God, the comparison between the two is just disgusting. But um, with Batman Begins, we get an origin story again. Um, It tells a little bit of a different story this time. Um, We see a bit more of Bruce as a child. And something that I think is really interesting is that Christopher Nolan didn't anticipate for like Batman Begins to get a sequel. Um, I watched this little documentary on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half long. It's pretty good. It tells you about like the making of Batman, like the behind the scenes, the Batman. You know, not not the Batman, but like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's really good. Like you, you get to see a little bit behind the scenes that you didn't really think about, like how the music was made, uh, the costumes, the set design, the special effects and gadgets, the casting. The casting took so long. Um, like they had originally planned for uh, Gary Oldman to play a villain, but he didn't want to play a villain anymore, so he went with uh, James Gordon. Christopher Nolan allowed him that. Um, the guy who plays uh, uh, Scarecrow Crane, uh, that guy, uh, he actually auditioned to be Batman himself. Um, but they eventually gave the role to Christian Bale because of the way he delivered Batman's lines. Um, you know, I think it's interesting to see what that Batman would have looked like. If you want to see interview tapes for that, you can. Um, but yeah, that that's out there um, for people to see. 
but yeah like there's so much to know about these movies like there's so much work put into it and christopher nolan only ever intended for each movie to tell its own story he never intended to tell a sequel story he never intended to leave behind something for other stories to emerge from that he wasn't sequel baiting in any of his movies in every single one of his movies he was leaving that story the way that it was and he picks pieces from his previous movies to add in his sequels he's like you know what we didn't finish telling a good story about rachel and their love connection with between bruce and rachel and also we didn't do uh we got more of an origin story let's do a little bit more uh world building let's see how exactly batman's appearance is really fighting organized crime in the dark knight and then in dark knight rises we see a little bit more of like the effect of uh, stopping organized crime we see the effect of rachel's death we see how being batman for so long has affected bruce wayne and it just tells this intricate story movie by movie that i believe is amazing and i think that the dark knight trilogy is an unmatched piece of cinema history that deserves to go down in the books as one of the greatest superhero trilogies and honestly one of the greatest movie trilogies of all time it's just beautiful it tells an amazing story it brought tears to my eyes it made me feel so roused when i saw you know batman's training batman fighting crime batman being just a badass the dark knight gives me chills every time i watch it god it's just the trilogy itself is amazing but that being said there are some flaws to this trilogy I know nobody wants to hear that. People want to idolize these movies and put them on pedestals, and that's true. They deserve that. But no movie is without any of its flaws, right? Uh, for instance, uh, Batman Begins, and kind of just this entire trilogy of Batman movies does this, um, but they present Bruce Wayne as kind of this put-together young man who is a billionaire and also managing um, being Batman. And some people argue this as like, no, that's not true. Batman and Bruce Wayne don't really coexist together. Look at The Dark Knight where he's falling asleep during the board meeting or he's not really doing so good. Yeah, or whatever. But no. Um, the way I'm trying to think of it is like, you're telling me that Bruce Wayne was this angsty teen who was gonna kill the person who killed his parents but instead of doing that he runs away learns martial arts and learns to become a thief and then he learns even more martial arts and basically ninja techniques from liam neeson and what he goes back to society and assimilates perfectly like he literally gets a shave and a haircut and he's back one running wayne enterprises basically by the end of the movie like what what the heck he, he's been back for less than a year he's been back for less than a month honestly and he's already running this place perfectly he's already perfectly bruce wayne not even a recluse he's just there he's in the city he's doing stuff interacting with other billionaires other people it's just it doesn't feel right you know But, yeah, um, that's, you know, one flaw. Another flaw that, you know, I kind of want to go with, um, it's more for The Dark Knight than it is for the other movies, but The Dark Knight does this thing 
where it's trying to do a lot of things at once. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't start yelling hate comments just yet. It does do those things kind of correctly, but I feel like because the movie is only about two and a half hours long, um, and it's trying to do so much, it's trying to tell so much of a story that I feel like it's kind of packing things together that it doesn't get to unload as much as it really wants to. Like, I feel like... Harvey Dent's descent into madness is kind of fast. You know, don't get me wrong, like, we see Harvey Dent's character in the beginning as this shining armor, shining armored knight, you know, who's like, let's take down corruption, let's take down organized crime. And, um, you know, then Jim Gordon fakes his death, you know, the Joker shows up, he's starting to do some stuff. Um, he doesn't trust Gordon, he doesn't trust the corrupt people that he's working with. Um, so, obviously, not liking that. Um, and then, the kind of bad part happens is he loses the love of his life, and he gets badly scarred and burned on completely, like, one side of his face. But here's the thing. Um, he didn't really show any signs of mental illness before that, so... Him kind of just being like, I don't want to accept skin grafts, I want to be in complete pain this is pain, this is okay, this is good. That's kind of a little bit too much of a stretch, you know? It's just... It's just like he goes from really, really good guy to neutral character to evil in, like, a day. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone killed my dog, I would be willing to commit many violent war crimes. I would be John Wicking it up so, so bad if that happened but um you know like if i got badly burned and you know someone killed my dog because I, you know i love my dog if someone killed my dog and i got badly burned like halfway through my body i would not be becoming a murderer i would be living off government payments from being badly burned by a homicidal maniac who said to destroy the city you know what i'm saying like that's just not really logical. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we get The Dark Knight Rises, and I kind of like this movie because it's more emotional. It's way sadder than the previous two Batman movies. Um, we get this story of how Alfred doesn't want to see uh, Bruce destroy himself by putting the mask and cowl back on. He doesn't want to see Batman suffer defeat. He doesn't want to see himself losing Bruce after, you know, burying Bruce's parents. We also see Bruce, who's, like, struggling with grief. You know, he lost Rachel as well. Um, he lost Harvey Dent. He's been branded a murderer. Um, all to protect the city that he lives in and the city that he loves. But only things get, things only get a little bit better. And then Bane shows up and throws a real monkey wrench in that. And then, so, Batman has to be Batman again, and yeah, we also get introduced to Robin here, but, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot, you know? The movies do a lot. And they tell a great story, and I love these movies. I could rewatch the Christopher Nolan trilogy any day of the week. And the soundtrack is amazing. I listen to it on an almost regular basis. I like listening to soundtrack music in general, though. That's just a me thing. 
But yeah, you know, now I want to talk about the Batman. Vengeance. Um, yeah, so go ahead. Take a little break. Spoiler warning. If you still haven't seen the Batman, you just have to wait about one more week. Um, I'm pretty sure it comes out on HBO Max on Monday or Tuesday for your viewing pleasures. So, yes. The Batman. Vengeance. (sighs) This movie is gritty. This movie is intense. This movie is dark. Uh, This movie is also three hours long. A lot of movies don't deserve to be three hours long. This movie is one of them. There are a lot of scenes that could have been cut out. There's a lot of scenes that they could have focused on for it being three hours um there's also a lot of stuff that keeps flip-flopping in this movie um i'm trying not to go too spoiler full like in case you want to listen and you don't want to get spoilerized or just you know just kind of some stuff like that but now i'm gonna go i'm gonna tell you some stuff and if you haven't seen the movie it's not gonna make a lot of sense but okay uh alfred being in the hospital feels like a waste of andy circus i'm sorry but it does um, Andy Circus is in the movie for like a total of five to seven minutes. In the three-hour movie, that feels pitiful. Five to seven minutes. What the heck? Um, but a pro. Something good about this movie. They. Uh, this is probably one of the most realistic Batman movies I've ever seen. It's so great like this. The Batmobile. It's just a car that's been mod. Uh, it's been modded, uh, modified. Um, the gliding, holy crap, the gliding. It's just a wingsuit. He's literally just in a wingsuit. And it's amazing, you know? Because that's that's something that the movies, the movies all before this kind of do like a funny job of. Like they're kind of trying to do the whole, uh, the whole cape thing, doubling as a glider, like as wings for him to glide on. But it only looks cool in the comics. In kind of everything else, it kind of just looks fake and silly, but also really cool. You know, like, don't get me wrong, it looks cool. But it doesn't also, it also doesn't seem very realistic. The only time it kind of looked realistic was in The Dark Knight, um, when Christopher Nolan used, not Christopher Nolan, when, yeah, well, basically, when Christopher Nolan uses it to get uh, Batman from, like, this really skyscraper-ish building in China to Lao's building, and he's kind of just circling the building because he has to glide. He can't just dive bomb straight into it. Um, but yeah, definitely one of the most realistic Batman movies I've ever seen. The villains are all realistic. The Bat Batman himself is all realistic. Like he's got a grappling hook that kind of works. Like it looks like it's propelled by something. His cape it doesn't double as his wingsuit. Uh, he's just wearing a wingsuit. The Batmobile is just a Batmobile. It's just a car. Um, you know, he travels by motorcycle and he, he keeps his whole costume in like this backpack that he wears. It's just so good. Catwoman's all realistic, you know, the crime bosses are all realistic. It's just a great movie overall. I love that. Uh, realism in a comic book movie, you know, tying what we know as being outlandish standards into this very concise, specific space that is the world we live in. You know, we have rules in this universe. Rules like superpowers don't really exist. Sorry. You know, superpowers don't really exist. So we can't actually have Superman. 
um, you know, we can't actually have Green Lantern, we can't actually do Spider-Man, stuff like that. You know, it's it's not real, and we know it's not real, uh, but that's something that we can enjoy. We can look at this and be like, oh, we know it's not real, it just looks real, and that's really cool. But this, the Batman, you know it's not real. You know you can't actually go out there, put on a suit, and go fight crime, and expect to live. Like, Batman's bulletproof suit is amazing. I don't get the full science behind it. I don't know if that in itself is realistic. Um, I've never tanked bullets. But like, he, there's this scene where he's walking down the hallway and he's eating bullets. And it's amazing. It's awesome. I don't know how real that one part is. That's like the only part that I would say is in, in and of itself the most unrealistic part. But yeah. Um, another con. Another bad part of this movie. Um... Yeah, it's three hours long, and Catwoman's character is also really underused in this movie. Um, some people might say they liked Catwoman's character, but I feel like she was kind of just thrown in here. Like, consider all the villains we have for this movie. We had Carmine Falcone as the head of a crime. Uh, we had the Penguin. We had the Riddler. Joker gets thrown in there at the end. And I'm trying to think if there's anyone else... No, I mean, that's kind of pretty much it. But then you get Catwoman. And Catwoman's kind of on the fence of being, like, a hero or a villain. And in this one, she really draws that line. She's really, like, an anti-hero. Because, um, obviously, she's motivated by her own personal needs. Motivated by personal revenge. But she's still doing the right thing. You know, she's still going after corrupt police officers. She's still going after bad people. Doing all that good stuff. Just not for any good reason. It's just revenge. But this movie was intensely good. It was super epic. Another great thing I loved about the movie, um, they really used Jim Gordon's character really well. Um, in previous movies, he's kind of just there. Like in the first genre that I was talking about, pre-Christopher Nolan, Jim Gordon is really just there to tell Batman which villain he's about to fight. Like in uh, Batman 1989, he's really just there to stop police shooting at Batman. And Batman Returns, he's there to tell Batman what a great job he's doing defending Gotham Batman Forever he's there to tell him that he's going against Two-Face and the Riddler Batman and Robin he's just there to tell him about Poison Ivy it's that's really just it I'm so sorry but that's it um, in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies we get way more of a super intense not super intense a super dedicated Lieutenant James Gordon you know we get Gary Oldman he's super cool um, but in this one, I feel like he's way more of a detective, like Gordon, like, because this is so young of a Batman, like he's in his second year of crime fighting this Batman. So he's obviously not trusted by police. And we see that very early on when he goes to the first crime scene in the beginning of the movie, we see this again when after the explosion hits and he's unconscious, they're trying to unmask him. They're trying to get him all riled up so that they can arrest him doesn't work out because James Gordon's like here I'll vouch for him doesn't really matter though because Batman punches Gordon in the face to escape um, which Gordon gave his blessing to don't get me wrong but yeah it draws a lot of heat on Batman itself you know the cops don't really trust him even towards the end um, you know we see the cop Martinez pulling a gun on Batman but 
once he realizes that he himself wasn't the Riddler, he himself wasn't behind the crime, he kind of puts it away. He's like hesitant to trust Batman, so he's kind of talking to him. And he's like trying to be awkward, but you know, chill with each other. It's like we can be bros, I guess, but only because you're not evil. So yeah, you can you can really see and like the ending. Oh my god, the ending of this movie was great. I'm not talking about um, a real change. I'm talking about where Batman is helping people after everything has been flooded in, and you hear him narrate over like over the film, and you see him talking about how he has made a change. It's just not the change he wanted to make. I love that. That that was great. I loved it. Overall, I think this movie was great. I think it was amazing. I think you should watch it. Definitely, please, please, please watch it. But I know what you all are thinking. You all are thinking to ask me, is this movie better than the previous, previously known best Batman movie of all time, The Dark Knight? Is The Batman 2022 better than The Dark Knight? Here is my answer. The two are... The two are incomparable. Now, let me let me expand on that. Yes, they are both superhero movies, both Batman movies, both telling virtually a similar story, but they are two completely different stories. The Dark Knight is telling the story of a Batman who's like kind of towards the middle slash end of his career. The, Bruce Wayne is completely set on ending Batman in this movie. Like, he's literally like, Rachel, you remember when you promised that if Batman was no longer needed, we could be together? It's coming. And he says that in the movie. He says that, like, midway through the movie. This is a Batman who feels like he's accomplished something, but he also feels like um, the change that he's had is good, but it's not good enough. It needs to be grounded by public officials, you know, elected officials that people can put trust in other than a masked vigilante. That is the story that we're telling in The Dark Knight. The Batman 2022 tells a completely different story. It's telling the story of a young man full and full of rage and despair and kind of like an agony almost of just just wanting to get out there and take that rage out in a productive manner and you know he doesn't really care what's happening in the outside world he doesn't care about Wayne Enterprises he doesn't care about um, ending his career anytime soon he just wants to make a difference and by the end of the movie we see that he acknowledges that he's making a difference but he's not doing it in the right way that being said these are two completely different stories these two movies are telling different they're giving us a different bruce wayne they're giving us different points of time in their crime fighting timeline so i don't think it's fair to compare these two movies the dark knight has everything before it plus you know like the it's the dark knight we get heath ledger's joker in this this is a this is a near perfect movie that we get with the dark knight you have batman begins setting up this entire lore for this universe we get the batman begins and we get the dark knight 
So right there, that's about four hours worth of footage that tells this literally near-perfect story of Bruce Wayne and Batman and James Gordon and Alfred and Rachel and Harvey Dent and all of that. We get a near-perfect story because we have a set timeline. We have two movies worth of content. We know what's happened in the first one. We know what's happened in between the two movies because it's explained at the beginning of the second. And we get the entire second movie to give us more. And it ends so good. The Dark Knight ends in an almost fitting conclusion. You could almost say you don't need The Dark Knight Rises to tell the story of Batman. And I would say, like, that's a bit of a stretch. You, you could say that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, of course you could say that's a bit of a stretch. It's called The Dark Knight Trilogy for a reason. The Dark Knight Rises exists for a reason. But what I'm saying is, The Batman 2022 is supposed to be part of a trilogy. Matt Reeves has announced that he wants a trilogy of new Batman movies. They're already getting started with the sequel, and we know for a fact that Joker is going to be in the sequel. Is this Joker going to be any better than Heath Ledger's? Probably not. That's all any Joker gets compared to is Heath Ledger. Jared Leto got compared to Heath Ledger. Joaquin Phoenix got compared to Heath Ledger. This new Joker will be compared to Heath Ledger. It's... It's not fair. Of course it's not fair. But what are you going to do? Are you going to blame Heath Ledger for giving his amazing performance? Are you going to blame Christopher Nolan for writing such an amazing character? No, you can't do that. What you all... Joaquin Phoenix is considered as good or even better than Heath Ledger's Joker in some circles because of his stellar, astounding, above and beyond performance. Joaquin Phoenix nailed it. He went above and beyond for that role. He did so much for that role. The writer of Joker knew what they were doing. They knew what story they were telling. And they wrote it amazingly. It told a great story. So yeah, you could compare Joaquin Phoenix to Heath Ledger. And you could say that they're on equal levels. Or that one is better than the other. And that's you. That's your opinion. You can say either one is better. Objectively, though, they're both written well, and they're both portrayed amazingly. Jared Leto's Joker, terrible. Why? Written terribly? (sighs) Just performed kind of bad. It's just bad. It's just bad overall. I'm so sorry, Jared Leto. I'm so sorry that you're associated with the worst DC and worst Marvel movie. Don't worry, we'll get to you on that one quite soon. But I'm so sorry, but it's just not working. So to say that The Dark Knight is better than The Batman, that's just a personal opinion. You're just saying that because you love The Dark Knight, or you don't love The Batman. But to say that they are each amazing films, that they both deserve a near 10 out of 10, that's perfect to say. That's perfectly acceptable to say. It is perfectly acceptable to say The Dark Knight is better than The Batman. It's perfectly acceptable to say The Batman is better than The Dark Knight. Either one is okay, because it's your opinion. It's okay to think something is better than something else. The only problem occurs when, excuse me, the only problem occurs is when people take it too seriously. As much as I love movies, they're just movies, guys. You can call The Dark Knight the best movie of its year. You can call it the best Batman movie ever. You can call The Batman 
the best movie of 2022. You can call it the best Batman movie ever. You can say both of the best superhero movies. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you enjoy it. You loved it. You loved how it was presented. And that's it. Alright everyone. I wish I could talk to you more, but I am running out of time. So, I wanted to say thank you. We will be talking about Morbius coming up soon. Thank you so much. Look out for that episode. And yeah, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. An amazing rest of your week. Love you guys.